I'm the reason he's here. But you didn't do anything. Oh, no. I can think of something I did. I got drafted. But I chose Canada. I copped out on Vietnam. And now it looks like Vietnam is catching up with me. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. Hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you enjoyed our discussion about the Convicts Piano. Uh, that was a um, a nice episode after, uh, you know, it was a nice palate cleanser reset and a nice little hopeful bit of storytelling uh, versus what we had just covered the week before. So I hope you enjoyed us for, the, you know, the feeler gooder episode because, um, you know, sometimes we just need that nice warm hug. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think a lot of people are going to be like feeling all warm and toasty after watching this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. And then this You're right in the holiday spirit. Yeah, so we, after <laughs> after the you know, convicts piano, and then we're going to get into this one. So it's it's been a little bit of a roller coaster of emotions the last couple episodes. But yeah, everybody, welcome to Strange Highways. This is an anthology based podcast where we do mainly focus on the Twilight Zone. We've covered the original series, and now we're um, halfway through. I think about the halfway point of season two of the '80s iteration. Uh, we cover some other things too. We're actually um, changing it up next week. We'll talk about what we're doing there too. Uh, a project that I didn't know um, existed until like a week ago. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. We'll get there when we get there as well. So, um, but before we do that, we're, we're going to talk about season two, episode seven, the load, load, the load rest traveled. No, the road less traveled. Um, I, oh, it's only two minutes in. Uh, uh, dear God. Uh, air date was December 18th. Um, 1986. So by my estimation, um, this, yeah, we, we almost lined up with air dates as of recording and release dates. So close. Um, but oh, well, uh, it's just nice to actually have an episode in December to talk while we're recording in December. So it actually feels a little bit more appropriate. Uh, number one, uh, film was the golden child. Number one song, the way it is by Bruce Hornsby in the range. Um, so instead of finding like news, Related to this day and date, uh, Terry and I decided to dig into the things that, like, we talk about. We talked about our rituals where we start recording about, like, holiday rituals, and how one of the big things was getting like the like the the big department store catalogs and like just going through them and looking at all the toys. I think we did this a little bit last year too, around December, looking at some pages. So I picked up um, the 1986 Sears uh, book which is massive at 697 pages. And I, I, and I found some toys to talk about. And uh, we both, uh, I know Terry, what did you, what, what catalog did you pick? To look I, through? I picked the JC Penney's uh, 1986 catalog. There so yeah, so I'm, I'm, it, it was, it was a, it was a big, it was a big deal for us to get this in the house. So uh, yeah, I always had, 
a highlighter ready and uh, this catalog just so I can know how disappointing my Christmas is going to be. Like, would you just like take a piece of paper and cut a picture of yourself out and put it on the paper and then cut out all the toys that you wanted and put them around you and just like looked at it and just closed your eyes and hoped? Like, Actually, I was, uh, you know, I always harnessed what the energy of the picture was. So I took my face and I put it on top of this, <laughs> the happy child with the item. Yeah. You, you did the opposite. Like, Look how happy this child yeah. could be. Uh, you did the opposite of, of the Toys of Caliban. You you brought yourself to the catalog and not the other way around. You're like, <laughs> yeah. You go, send. Uh, um, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, but we also picked one thing that we're going to send to each other, like as if we had the ability to go back to 86 and give each other a gift. The first thing I want to mention here that I found, uh, is, um, oh, it was, uh, the She-Ra Princess of Power, uh, that, that was the big toy line, uh, that ran alongside He-Man in the Masters Universe. Uh, I, uh, our, our friends over at, at the Devil's Ball had, had myself on and a few others to talk about the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special, which came out this same month as we're like Christmas day of 86. And what I didn't know is that the She-Ra animated series debuted in September of 86. So talk about the push and how big like master universe She-Ra was at that point. But yeah, just, I found, I found this whole page here of her, her items and everything, but I just want to uh, read the description of what was it? Um, of Starburst She-Ra, uh, it was, it, is this the one? No. Uh, yeah. It's Starburst. She read all as leader of the princess of power collection. She's five and a half inches tall. comes with a comic book, $6, 24 cents after Mattel rebate. Uh, otherwise full price, $6, 99 cents. I understand that, you know, that's 30 years ago and you got to adjust for inflation. That still seems really approachable for a kid to get, uh, um, a toy from a pretty popular or hope to be popular TV series. Yeah. I, Actually, from what I found out uh, through a little bit of research myself, um, that a large portion, a, a quite surprising portion, a, a portion of the the fan base for um, for the series of He Man was girls. Um, so through the re- research and that, they're like, we need to make something that is more aimed towards little girls. So that's why they developed the She-Ra character too. And that makes sense, you know. Like, I mean, like, why why lock out fifty percent of your market? Right. Like that makes perfect sense to me. Um, other big one I found here was uh, Teddy Ruxpin. Um, we all, I, I mean, had one. Yeah. So there you go. See, look at that. You didn't have to live in the catalog. You had a Teddy Ruxpin. Um, well, it wasn't mine. It was my, it was my aunts and uncles. So, but yeah, you know, cause you know, it was always a good idea to take your, uh, your new kids on the block and, uh, you know, uh, naughty by nature, uh, sets and put him into the Teddy Rupskin. Yeah. Cause it would actually like, it would, it would, its mouth would move and it would, cause you'd get cassettes to, here, I'll read the description here of the Teddy Ruxpin. Uh, he's a cuddly plush friend with a specially designed cassette player inside. Uh, he's Teddy Ruxpin, just unsnap his play suit and pop in the special animation tape included. The colorful picture book lets children follow the adventure as Teddy sings and speaks. Any audio cassette can be played in Teddy Ruxpin, as you just said, but only specially programmed tapes bring the animation to life. 14 inches tall, acrylic plush, requires four alkaline C batteries sold separately on page 404, so you guys know where to find that. Uh, order additional cassette books uh, sets below. Uh, $64.99. Uh, that, that, you know... It was a pricey thing. I get it. But yeah, you're right. You could go and put your two live crew cassette in there and to see what Teddy has to say about it. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was actually kind of funny because I would watch my neighbors do the exact same thing. It's like, 
this is the world we live in. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like no one has a, no one has the, uh, the funds to get, uh, you know, like a, a Walkman or anything like that. They're like, Teddy Rupskin, it is. <laughs> there you go. So the, the, the next thing I have here is like, Oh, I mean, what if we can't find Teddy Ruxpin? Cause it's sold out. There is Smarty Bear. Um, does Smarty Bear have all the answers? Sure. Just ask him. He's programmed with sound, light, motion, and it says in air quotes, hug, or not air quotes, but quotes, hug sensors that prompt lots of warm, friendly responses. Plus his mouth, eyebrows, and eyes move when, uh, with striking realism. He re- replies to questions, giggles when he's tickled, and he asks to be turned over when he's lying face down. There's a lot about Smarty Bear I have questions about. Uh, he even tells you it's nap time before automatically turning himself off. Soft acrylic plush, 19-inch tall, requires 4C batteries. Um, $69.99. So, you know, it costs a little bit more, but you know there's those kids out there that are like, I want Teddy Ruxpin, and, they, and the people went to the store, and it's like, we have Smarty Bear, and then these kids were just angry that they didn't get Teddy Ruxpin. I mean, I would have been pissed. Right. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about the GoBots versus Transformers scenario that played out for some children too. So <laughs> yeah, uh, that's fair. Kids want the name brand. Damn it. Yeah, like um, no so, Rock Lords. No, well, no GoBots. As, as um as I have my Rock Lord right here beside me that I love my character Boulder. Anyway, so um, <laughs> justice for Boulder. Uh, so yeah, what was the what was the thing? If you could get me something out of the JC catalog, you're going to send it to me via Skype. But what's the what's the toy? Because uh, I know the one I picked out for you is perfectly, it's the most hairy thing I could think of. Okay, so I, I, I found this first. I, I, I hope that somehow, some way, if you are feeling frustrated. <laughs> oh, this is the stuff of nightmares. I remember <laughs> these things. Oh, dear Lord. Um, the pillow people are soft, warm, huggable, and make wonderful, also in quotes, best friends. Best friends. Man, <laughs> like, the, the, you know... You see like the anime waifu p- pillows now, the body pillows. And you're like, oh, that's weird. But it's like also like, yeah, these are weird. One of them has a black eye. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. His, just, his name is Pillow I have, Fighter. I, okay. <laughs> I have questions. And I, I, I somehow I don't want the answer either. But like the one that's off to the right too, it's like this bright red nose and like this... Do, derpy face on it like his, name, the, his name's big that, footsteps he just looks but he looks like um oh no mom's boyfriend has had a rough night again i better go yeah, I, was, you know. I was like that's that's my drunk weird uncle we don't invite him <laughs> over too often but like i just I, um, like yeah just in case you're feeling frustrated paul go ahead and take those those feelings and emotions out on these things because they look like they want to get punched. Well, and what, <laughs> whatever that is on the right of that middle pillow, I don't like that thing either. Um, it's the one that's hugging uh rockabye baby, whatever that, that thing is. I don't want it either. Um, it's, yeah, it's, I, it's a small child. I'm just joking anyway. So yeah. All right. <laughs> it, 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 you know, and, and just because I had a little extra money left over, I'm just going to send you, <laughs> I'm going to send you this yeah, too, because okay. I, don't know what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 <laughs> oh, I'm gonna make, I, I, I know last year I said I would post the pictures. I forgot to this. I'll have to remember cat's uh, lair, electronic laser light fortress. Uh, it is something with a thundercat on. I'll read. I'll read that thing. Uh, combination playset and electronic three dimensional arcade game. I'm sure. Uh, cat's head turn. Cat's head turns and using trigger controls. It fires laser beams at all the mutant attack vehicle. 
um, beams at the mutant attack vehicle, small view below, which, you know, whatever, until the vehicle throws off its passenger. Attack vehicle, I like that it's capitalized, like as it's like, oh man, watch out for attack vehicle, uh, <laughs> can, fight, can fire light beams to blow open the entrance to the lair, capital L, of bright high impact uh, plastic with electronic light beams, trigger controls, electronic sounds, for use with all Thundercats figures, not included. Okay. Um, fifty four ninety nine, and it, it looks like it, it. Yeah, it looks like um like a marital aid that has a Thundercat on it. It's uh, <laughs> did, you know, it really does. I yeah, mean, it's like, it's not good. Yeah, I forget this character's name, but like it really. That's Lionel. Like yeah, yeah, uh, Lionel. It like looks like Lionel has something being shoved directly up his ass. Yeah, by I mean, his he's a uh, you know he's ready to go. I'll just put it that way. All right, so yeah. uh, Thundercats, Thundercats, ho, and that's that Lionel. <laughs> Lionel is that ho. Uh, so all right, I used Terry. to love Thundercats. Yeah. So I'm just like looking through that the, the toys of uh, Thundercats and everything. I was like, what? the hell is that <laughs> sorry it, sorry it's thunder 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 thundercats right that's the way yeah, anyway so anyway if i you know if i could go back in time and get one of these this is the perfect terry gift that's there we go I, oh tell, hell yeah tell me Dude. i'm wrong yeah no you're you are completely right i had my pet monster yep. i loved my pet monster yeah um, so a uh, cute question mark a cuddly question mark no chains could hold my pet monster plastic chain is split in the middle for realistic quotes breakouts manacle bracelets have fabric closure for easy opening handcuff uh, both his hands uh, both your hands or get handcuffed together all right um uh, 31.99 for a my pet monster yeah it's quite quite different now if you're trying to find these things well, what the hell is that dead animal on that kid's hand? <laughs> so, okay, that? below that, there's number thir- it's 13 here. It's listed. Whatever this is, it's called a Dazu is your new five-fingered paw pal. He's the fuzzy puppet you wear like a glove. Changes it to hundreds of imaginative critters. I don't know. It goes from that to you could turn it into a bird with one finger in the air. That's the second animal I could think of. <laughs> I guess um, I, I, th- I find it interesting that it's like, yeah, this is your, your critter puppet friend. Shove your hand right up his ass to animate yeah. him, like. <laughs> and all it is is just it looks like a it looks like Rolf the dog, like uh, that kind of brown Muppet fur, and it's it's a glove that has four fingers, uh, and then it just has a tail and two yeah. googly eyes, and that's it. And it says you can make a lot of animals. Sorry, it has five fingers. I'm sorry, I'm counting this. I, I missed a finger. Um, you can make all sorts of animals. It's not even an animal itself. Whatever. Um, so yeah, this is the guy who got fired from Jim Henson's studio. He made this thing. Look at this thing. I mean, come on. That's a reject. If I've ever seen one, come on. Yeah. It's like, someone's like, Hey, when you come up with a new character, he looks around. He's like, well, I got a, a like, I got a Muppet that's been torn apart. I'll just put eyes on it. That's yeah, fine. Everything works with googly eyes. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's, that is our uh, trip down uh, memory lane for 1986 in December. So as this episode was airing, a lot of kids were hoping to get um, a smarty bear and a Dazu uh, five fingered paw pal. That's what they were hoping yeah. for. I, I will say that I feel like uh, you got gypped in this deal because uh, my pet monster rules. So <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> but I just saw that. I was like, that's totally Terry is uh, cause I mean, like, even if I could find like a, my pet monster now, you'd be like, hell yeah. Like you'd be so excited for it. So Dude, I've, tr- I've tried to get one. There's a, a place that is not far from us called, uh, uh, what is it called? It, it's the flea market, Jamie's flea market. 
It is not far from us, uh, and I've tried to get one there, mm-hmm. and they are really expensive now. I don't know if you've seen the price of some of them, how, how much they go I for. I really it. haven't been looking at the market for My Pet Monsters. Uh, I've not, <laughs> well, been, doing, maybe, I've not been doing My Pet me. Monster speculation. So. <laughs> maybe it's just me, I guess. But <laughs> I, dude, I love that thing. Honestly, it might still be at my old house, so I might break in and see if I can go grab it. There you go, yeah. right? <laughs> I just like they're like oh the, the handcuffs you can handcuff yourself or or, or to a friend or whatever. I'm just like man a context please you know like there was even a cartoon for that too. yeah well there was a, like a direct to video uh, movie they made I don't know if you remember that or not I think um, it came with certain certain ones like if you got like a because there were like different size my pet monsters. Mm-hmm. I think one of them did come with a tape. Yeah, well, yeah. The, the, the whole thing was that this kid was going to, on a uh, like um, a school trip to a museum. Like uh, like a, they they were going like this through this like ancient Egyptian portion, and he was just really really hungry, and something happened where he dropped an apple and it rolled near one of the artifacts, and it zapped him, and so anytime he ever became hungry, he'd become my pet monster, uh, if hmm. I recall. Why why I remember that plot line very clear versus people I went to high school with, I have no idea. But anyway. So yeah, that's that was our trip down uh, Toy Memory Lane. Uh, people go look up these catalogs; they're a trip. Like it's just a lot of fun to go back and look at some of the stuff that was being sold, and also be sad oh. at the, how how um, approachable prices once were. So Dude, even, I, even adjusting I, I, for I, inflation, yeah. I'm finding even cooler stuff. I'll, I'll have to save this for a, another conversation here in a minute. But yeah, yeah dude, I, these really are a trip. Uh, I, just, I remember seeing these things when I was a kid and I'm just like, now I'm just looking back at them. I'm like, wow, these are really dangerous. <laughs> oh yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, that, that's, that's our day and date kind of. So, uh, let's get into, let's get into who did what here. The, the cast is going to be a little weird. We'll explain why in a moment. But yeah, let's get into the road less traveled. Yeah, so um, so our director on this is uh, somebody familiar from the from the original episode that from this eighty series. We have Wes Craven coming back, so he did the first segment that we have ever covered on this eighties version. So he came back finally. Uh, I, I'm not sure if he has much more coming. This is his last one that he. So he did uh, Shatterday, a little piece and quiet, which was the very first episode, two segments, a wordplay, a dealer's choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, her Pilgrim Soul, which we'll never talk about again, and uh, this one. This was his last one. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So I, I think everybody at this point now should know who Wes Craven is. If you don't, uh, please go back to Shatterday because uh, we'll give you the info. Uh, but yeah. So our writer on this though is uh, George R. R. Martin. Uh, we we talked about him previously as well. I, again, I, I don't know how much more you can say about this gentleman. He's world yeah. renowned as a as a writer. <laughs> his his uh his uh popularity uh has only grown uh since this so which is funny because yeah. during the commentary track uh phil daguerre just first to him was george martin which i think is funny <laughs> like so somewhere along the way the rr had to start being put in there you know like but and he was like yeah he went on to actually be a pretty successful uh science fiction author after this it was just funny because this was um the commentary was recorded i have my notes here uh march of 2004 so this was well before any, like, you know, like he was making a name for himself. Uh, but it was like, like the way that Phil DeGuerre was like, yeah, he went on to become a successful author. It's like, Phil DeGuerre, you have no idea. So our cast here, uh, we have uh, the, the lead of uh, Cliff uh, DeYoung. He plays Jeff McDowell. 
uh, he he was in The Hunger, a uh, really interesting vampire film, if anybody wants to check that out. It's got David Bowie in it, really interesting. Uh, he was also in Dr. Giggles. And I think the thing that I recognize him from immediately, though, was he was the father in The Craft. So yeah. some good yeah. horror film connections there. Uh, he was also in Glory, and he was also in uh, the sequel, the, the quote-unquote sequel to Rocky Horror, Shock Treatment. Um, mm-hmm. which I've not seen, uh, but he played, he played twins in that, that, uh, that actually had a musical number where he sang against himself. Yeah. Interesting enough. Yeah. So but, uh, just, I'm just putting out because of the twin thing, but anyway, moving yeah. on. But, uh, next here we have, uh, Margaret, uh, clinic. clinic. I think it's Cl- clinic. Yeah. Clink clinic. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she plays Denise. Uh, this is Jeff's wife. Uh, she uh, was in shows like Tales from the Dark Side. She was in an episode of that. She was also in an episode of The the Equalizer. Uh, not very uh, extensive career, but mostly TV work. Yeah, so mainly 42 episodes of One Life to Live. But I'm surprised that you didn't take note of what episode of Tales from the Dark Side she was in. Uh, it's She was the mother in Seasons of Belief. Uh, oh, she was in that episode. Yes. Oh, great. The one where you had, um, what was it? The dad the from, um, was it the dad from a uh, Christmas story? They're together. It's the one about the grither, uh, yeah. which if you want to talk about holiday episodes to go back and check out everybody, we've talked about seasons of belief here on the show previously. It's a lot of fun, but if you've not seen it and don't know what we're talking about, watch it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. If, if there is like one, one thing that could end up in your holiday rotation, uh, Add that. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of fun. You know, just the grither. Uh, that know. and Treevenge has nothing to do with this, but watch Treevenge. <laughs> I just my like that you bring that up just because my guts because your wife is very frustrated anytime you bring up Treevenge. So anyway, I, I, I love Treevenge, but yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, now we have uh, uh, Jacqueline um, uh, Bernstein. She plays Megan. She's the, the young daughter in this uh, of Jeff and Denise. Uh, she was in one other episode of the Twilight Zone that we've covered previously. Uh, she was in the the segment Children's Zoo, which, if you remember, uh, that's the one that actually had uh, Wes Craven playing one of the uh, parents, one of, like the shitty parents that were stuck behind glass yelling at her. Right? Yeah, yeah. So there we go. Yeah, and and to give more context, because it has been a little bit of a minute uh, since we talked about that episode, she was also in Poltergeist too. So okay, but yeah, but yeah. Next here we have uh, Claire. Toraro, I think. Toraro. Yeah. Uh, she plays Susan. Uh, this is this is where we get into the 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 weird stuff. So I'll just mention her, and I don't know if you'll have to mention anybody else. But we had talked about um, Claire before. She was in a, another episode, another segment, rather. Uh, a little peace and quiet. We both came away uh, enjoying that. But she mostly plays reporters and new cat newscasters. Uh, she she had done a, a news reporter in Cujo. Uh, nightmares, which we have discussed in the past, mm-hmm. and the cinematic classic Cobra. <laughs> yeah, and also uh, 1986's Trick or Treat, which I have not seen, but I know a lot of people like that film. So I love Trick or Treat. There you go. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I got um, I got two other uh, credits here, real quick. So we got um, John Jarkin Zarshan as Jacques. Jacques. I was going to say Jacques, like he's French. Uh, he was in an episode of Tales from the Dark Side. He was in Heather's in California. Um, also person that does not appear in this episode. We'll get into why that is, but he is credited and I'll talk about that later. And then I have uh, Christopher Brown as grunt, which I do think he is in one of the flashbacks. Um, he's the one that actually refers to the one person as spaceman, which is kind of actually helps things make sense a little bit more later. But, okay. um, 
yeah, like it's it's well explained how that it doesn't yeah, it's quite a work. Confusing because there's no there's no image of this this actor, mm-hmm. but then you clearly see the actor. <laughs> it's like so. I'm like, wait a minute. We we couldn't get any stock footage of this dude and anything that he ever appeared in. So I, I find that kind of insulting sometimes. Yeah, in ter- <laughs> well, yeah, in terms of the IMDb, where it's like, well, a lot of people, it's either they're curated themselves or there's like fans, right? So, mm. uh, but yeah, 24 credits, nothing really stands out, unfortunately. So that's who we have. So Terry, kick it off here with uh, Road Less Traveled. All right. So we meet our family here of the uh, the uh, McDowell's. Um, we got. Uh, Denise and Jeff and they're enjoying a movie, which just happens to be the thing from another world. I thought so. I wasn't entirely sure. Um, but okay, good. Cause that also helps with his love of sci-fi, right? Cause that kind of ties in later. Um, but yeah, continue. I, I thought, yeah, I thought I, it was I, the thing I, from another world, I, but I, I wasn't figured sure. that out on my own because I'm like, I'm a huge, uh, thing from another world fan. Um, both you and I have a, a shared love of the storyline in general, uh, be it one adaptation or another, but I, that's something I used to watch as a child. So I'm like, I know exactly which movie that is. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I, I had, yeah. Thank you for verifying. Cause I clearly, I, you know, I was like, I was curious, but it, I just didn't do my job. Thank you for picking up. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. I, I'm going to have to alter the Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> so, but then we get their, their young daughter that comes downstairs and she's, uh, she's frightened because uh, she's seen somebody up in her room and she's trying to explain to her parents, like, I don't know where he came from, but he's like, he knows my name and everything. And I don't know what to do. And, and of course, you know, Jeff being, you know, the, the, you know, the dad that wants to take care of his child, he goes up to a room as opposed to just being like, yeah, get back up there. Or I'll kick your ass. Uh, <laughs> he just, he wants to make sure that he like checks us out, puts his, you know, her fears to rest. And when he goes up there, he's like, there's nothing up here. There's no one here. So, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a little bit of a, you know, a trick. So, you know, anybody who comes in your room, the monsters, they can't get under the blanket. So she hides under the blanket net. But as he's like trying to leave the room, he sees some like weird imagery. Well, first he, it's also important to say that he said that he had a lot of nightmares as a kid and what his, what his father told him was monsters can't go under the blanket. That, that, right. Yeah, that's important. And then, yeah, but when he goes to say goodnight to her, uh, when he turns around to hit the light switch, um, there's a very um, purposeful jarring cut to where he ends up seeing, um, like, it's an inside of like a hut, um, and it, it, it's clearly in a war zone, and it's a very um, quick, sudden flash, and it's very upsetting. And credit to um, Craven and Martin for crafting that 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 um, that sudden imagery. Cause that puts you, that puts you on edge about like what's going on. Yeah. Cause it is pretty jarring because not only do we not expect that, but it's compared to the scene that we're being left with. It's like, he's putting his daughter to sleep and it's like, wait, what the hell's going on right now? <laughs> like, yeah. Cause you have a very sweet moment, you know, like, cause he's like, yeah, monsters, yeah, he's like, monsters can't go to the blanket, but daddy's can or whatever. And he tickles her and it's cute. And I'm like, I just want to be like, well, monsters can't go to the blanket except for the grither, but we, you know, whatever anyway. So, um, watch out for that. Cause you know, that, that mom knows what's up anyway. So, but yeah, he ends up doing that and freaking out, but coming back downstairs and he just sits down for a moment by his wife and he just picks up a drink and he's just kind of like out of sorts, you know? And, and she's like, is everything okay? And he's like, yeah, um, everything's fine. It was a pile of clothes. And she's like, yeah, your, your daughter has your imagination. And, and, but she's like, look at him. She's like, are you okay? And he's like, and he pauses. He's like, yeah, I'm fine. 
you know? So, but I also like that she was like, I don't know if you noticed the wife, like she was writing on a tablet. I'm like, she's drawing the grither. She's drawing the grither right now. We don't see it, but we know it's happening. I'm kidding. Well, you, can't, you can't speak its name. Oh, yeah, right. I've already said it seven times. Uh, it's coming. <laughs> oh! Right. Yeah, yeah. If it catches, <laughs> the, the, if it catches the right wind, <laughs> it'll be here before the end of the episode. All right. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and then as they're, they're downstairs, though, that's whenever um, we see something. It's it's There's a wheelchair. Someone in a wheelchair going back towards the bedroom. And Megan's under the blanket. She, she freaks out, puts the blanket over her. And then the blanket gets pulled away from her, but she doesn't scream. Which on second watch through, knowing what we know, like that that makes sense. Right. And it's definitely a person's hand. It's not like you know, a paw of some sort or anything like that. So what are whatever it is is supposed to be humanistic or something like that, you know? Yeah. So then what was it like? We cut to like the very next day. Um Denise is bringing, uh, what was it? Um, the daughter home, bringing, uh, Megan home from school. They come, they come in and, and Jeff's already there making dinner. Uh, and yeah, he, he's talking about like what he's already made and he's like, and I have wine. And then like, he looks at like his daughter, he's like, but not for you, you get milk. I'm like, well, you know, that's not fair. I, I'm kidding. Um, but then what was it? Uh, but you can was, tell he's already, he's already been into this cups too. So it's like, yeah, you could already, you, you could tell that, it, it, it's a little early. I mean, considering also that like, what, what is his daughter? Six, seven years old. She's if probably that. home from kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. And then, but it's also like, you know, I mean, a game respects game for that. I'll say, you know, like you're in the kitchen, what are you going to do? <laughs> um, but, but also, it's you know, clock somewhere. yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, whatever. Uh, <laughs> you don't, you don't need a liquor license in your own home, Terry. That's what I got to say. No. So, um, no, but like the TV in the background is playing, it's playing the news, but it's also playing like stories of like, a, like war activity or whatever going on. Um, so I think that's important, but, um, but Denise calls out like, Hey, um, the only like when you're having wine, like that means you had a bad day. Like, tell me what's going on. And, um, that's, you know, we find out then like Jeff had an uncomfortable conversation with the student, uh, the, about like about Vietnam and the person asked where he was and he replied that he was in, in, in school, which is correct. But that's when we find out that Jeff was actually drafted, but left to go to Canada and Denise joined him up there. And you could tell that he has this guilt, uh, because of that. Yeah. It, he's a little unsettled because obviously, you know, it's like, you know, being draft Dodger or something like that. Probably, or at least if you're a decent human being, it shouldn't settle well with you, you know, to be a draft dodger. Because, I, I mean, you know, feelings aside in that, it's like, it's it's there for a reason. So it's like, you know, anybody who skips dodge or skips the draft, it's like, you, you're not doing your service for your country. Well, fairly true. I think that I'm saying just the guilt that he's going through and that, like, he, that's the way he's processing it at this point. Yeah. And then, but also she's important to point out. She's like, you know, you, you know, like basically, I mean, she's always there being like reiterating. It's like, you know, you made the right decision, but yeah, he feels guilty about it. Um, but then, uh, before they'd also sit Megan to go wash her hands. And she comes back downstairs and she hadn't washed her hands. And Denise is like, well, why didn't you do that? And she was like, well, the man wouldn't it got in the way or whatever. So that's when we get Denise going upstairs with Megan to go wash her hands and be like, you know, you shouldn't make up stories or whatever. Then we get, what is something that is kind of upsetting, but also I think, um, unintentionally funny. Like it is, it is one of the, <laughs> just 
out of context, it is a very ridiculous thing where Denise looks in the mirror and then you see uh, her look at a reflection over her shoulder through the bathroom door. We see somebody in a wheelchair that looks like a war veteran, but they just slowly roll backwards, like almost like Homer Simpson going into the bushes. Like yeah. that part, it just, I get that's supposed to be unnerving and it is, but just the slow rollback is funny to me. It distinctly looks like somebody else that we've already met. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I mean, she's traumatized because she's like, wait a minute, wh- who the hell is this dude in my house? Like, obviously that's a, that's the reaction that you should have. And she's like, Lieutenant Dan, we're, but then she says to her husband, Jeff, like, did you see him? He just came through here. He had to have. Did he go past you down the steps? Who? Who? The guy in the wheelchair. He's like, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, you're telling me that there's a guy who was supposed to zoom over here and he possibly get packed, past me down the steps in a wheelchair? He's like, listen, I know I've had a lot of kitchen wine today, but that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I mean, like he may have sounded a little weird the night before, but I think it was like him not explaining anything that made it better. But like what she's explaining to him, is like, wait a minute now who's been drinking. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So then he, he runs upstairs to see what's going on and like, he can't find anything, but we do see that he, he sees tracks on the carpet of a wheelchair, which is effective. So you know, Mm -hmm. something's wrong. And then as he, is looking down at that. We get, he gets like another flash where he ends up, he's in the water of like a marsh area that looks, you know, I mean, he's dressed in full combat gear. He's in Vietnam. He's freaking out. The guy to the, to his right, his left, like, you know, recognizes him. Right. But it's like, but Jeff doesn't recognize him, but the grunts like, he's like spaceman. Don't freak out on me. And like, so Jeff does what any of us would do at that point in time and just starts screaming. And like, he doesn't stop screaming. And as he hits the, like the, the embankment, cause he gets pulled down by his uh, fellow soldier. There's like explosions or shots going off. And then we cut back yeah, to there's him. Mortars just yeah. going off left and right, but right behind them pretty much. Like they're yeah. probably like, like 12 yards away from these mortars hitting. Yeah. And anytime there's a Vietnam flashback now, uh, in the twilight zone, I get anxious, you know, but, uh, so, uh, for reasons, you know, uh, but you know, there, there's a certain segment in a movie and then also a certain segment called night crawlers, you know, no bueno. Um, so, but yeah, like it cuts back to the, the here and now he's on the carpet, just screaming. And it's like, his wife's there to comfort him. And it, it's, it, it's hard to watch because the scream is so like, um, raw, like, I don't know how to describe it, like credit to the actor, uh, that he's able to convey that because it's not, it's not just a scream of fear. It's like unknowable, like terror and it works. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, he's, I mean, cause I mean, you're being transported all, completely. I mean, you, like, this is your body. This is your consciousness. It's all, it's all happening right now. And it's like, you don't know where you are. You don't know who this dude is next to you. The only assumption you couldn't uh, uh, take away from this is that you're not in your home anymore. And then when he finally comes to, he's screaming in his own house and his wife is trying to console him. Yeah. So that's um, like very upsetting. And then we get to him and her in the bedroom talking about this. And he, you know, that's when we get that clip of like, you know, like I did, I was drafted, didn't go. Vietnam's come for me. But also this is like, you know, she's pointing out like, you know, you, 
you did the right thing. It was an unjust war and we, you know, you protested to try to help stop it. And, and she's right. You know, like when you talk about like somebody dodging the draft, it's, it's a more complicated issue than just like somebody like not do, you know what I mean? Like what you're saying exactly, is I can see yeah. the guilt. Right. And now since you and I have grown up without the draft being a thing, we can like, we, we were going to look at it differently versus like, well, everybody has to do it, you know? So, and also too, um, and I think, um, oh, what was it? Uh, when you and I talked uh, back uh, in the original series, what was it? Season five, episode one in praise of Pip, uh, where um, uh, Klugman's character, his, what was it? His son went off to, to war and they said he died in Vietnam, which was true, but it was like adjacent to, what we knew what was going on. So Serling guessed kind of reading the tea leaves, not, not that he was predicting the Vietnam war, but something like there was things going on over there that we were not publicly talking about yet. Right. So there's been rumblings and, and even they mentioned that he, I think it was like 71 or 72 when they talk about Jeff being drafted, you even go back to what 65, 66, there was a lot of uh, knowns and unknowns and people had questions, you know, and about like, this isn't the same thing as all oh, the Nazis are doing this. Sign me up. I'm going to go, you know, like, so I could see. Yeah, it wasn't like yeah. the reverse propaganda of like, you know, like you for God and country and like, you know, to, you know, it, it, it was a, a completely different time in how everything was handled. Mm -hmm. And especially, you know, when this episode was um, written and then aired, it, it was past like the whole, you know, the understanding of a lot of the stuff that was going on in Vietnam. Well, you know, I mean, like we had I mean, already yeah. had live broadcasts from the ground. Well, that's, well, that's fair too. But I'd also say like, this was what 86. And then we talked about his character being, you know, was drafted in like, you know, 70, 72. If you rewind back that same space of time from now to like, you know, the, like the, the early two thousands, um, you know, like, well, like we were like, what well, there's a lot of things going on in the Middle East, you know, like, and then, um, you know, nine 11 and the war in Afghanistan. And like, there, yes, like there's always, there, there's always a bigger discussion about that. But this is also the time where these people, this was a generation that, um, to point out that it, since they were part of this draft eligibility, these are people that came home uh, being put into service. They were forced to do. And then, um, like being treated like monsters because, <clears throat> because they serve their country, you know, like there was also that certain amount of that too. So the idea of somebody dodging the draft, I, I guess there's a certain amount of guilt too, where it's like, you see how badly, like even the veterans are being treated. Like I'm sure Jeff was getting it both ways. Yeah. I mean, especially, uh, you know, we'll talk about some of the dialogue here in a moment, but understanding of the other side of it. And, but even if, you know, when we get closer and closer to this, it's like the fact that Jeff is feeling um, that he is, you know, like he, he's in the wrong. He has a beautiful family. It's like, I, so it's like, it's like, how do you, you know what I mean? It's like you have that compromise there. It's like, it's, yeah, I, yeah, I feel like I did wrong, but then I don't feel like I did anything wrong because I have, I have this beautiful wife. I have this beautiful child. I have everything going for me. It's, it's like. So, but we're yeah. going to find out what the other, it's, the other it's kind of like a survivor's like. guilt in a way. Right. Like there's a little bit of like, well, how did like, I shirked my duty. A lot of people paid by blood 
and like what like I don't deserve this, you know, type of thing, right? But then even as he's talking to his wife, he's like, I got to get out of here because of whatever's going on, you know, this is on me, not you. And then she, then very gratefully, so that like it's important that I think that it shows the strong uh, bond of them together, where she's like, no, no, we're in this together. But then he uh, goes into another like flashback where he's like in a uh, bar somewhere in Vietnam. He freaks out again. He goes running out of the house. He goes to his car and leaves. Again, I can't blame the man. Um, we get Denise at work the next day. And she's there. And she's just working. And she gets a call. And the person putting the call through says it's Jeff. And that's when you mention the dialogue. So I think that I think it's something we wanted to mention, right? The way that the dialogue said here. Yeah. Because I mean, uh, now at this point, um, even I, – I, and I, I credit to, um, to Cliff the Young – the way that he portrays, I, I think, I guess this is showing my hand and showing the hand of the, the, the rest of the episode here. He is both characters. So I, there's a spoiler. Yeah, um, no, but, but yeah, we could see that when we finally see him in the wheelchair, we know it's, it, it's a Vietnam vet version of, of Jeff, you know, other yeah. Jeff. Yeah. But the way that he like alters his voice and makes himself sound a little bit more haggard. Uh, I, I think that that was a good decision. Um, because it does give kind of like the idea that we are talking to a different person, you know, just by the fact that they've been through so much shit, but we get this version of Jeff on the phone with his wife and asking her to come home, but we don't realize yet that it is this other version of Jeff, but it's like, it doesn't sound like, well, he also refers to her as Denny, which she's like, you've not called me that since high school. Right. And you can tell like, and he's so, like, he feels like he's talking to a ghost, you know, the way he's like talking to her. Right. Which I mean, uh, interestingly enough, we'll get into that too. Uh, but yeah, so it's like, he, he's asking uh, Denise to come home. Uh, he really needs to talk to her. He needs to like, like figure out what's going on here. And that's when we find out too, that like present day, Jeff, the, 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 the her actual like present husband, it, he comes to what is he to bring her lunch or something? No, no, like he goes to show up to talk to her at her office right after she leaves. Okay. And I, like, and it's also one of these these comments that says something, but it's it's like it's kind of funny just the way he plays it. Where like the the her was her coworker was like, man, she's like, you look you look terrible. He's like, yeah, you know, sleeping in your car overnight will do that to you. And I was like, holy crap, like that good admission there. You know, like she did like it's one of those times where it's like. You ever have those moments where it's like you maybe you said too much in front of somebody? You're like, you didn't, you really didn't want to engage with me that way, did you? I'm sorry. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, we've talked about some of those discussions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. like, so Jeff, like, you know, talking about like how he, he had a bad night and then, but like, where's Denise? Well, didn't you just talk to her on the phone? It's like, no, I didn't talk to her at all today. It's like, well, she said she was going home to talk to you. And it's like, they're like, oh my God, whoever this other person is, is in my house well, right even now. Even that person was like, me. like, she's like, it was you. She's like, I've known you long enough to think, I mean, she's like, I know your voice. Right. And then he freaks out. That's when he freaks out and goes back home. Um, yeah. And then that's, but we cut back to the house and she's there going to the bedroom. She opens the drapes and then we see, uh, you know, uh, the, the, you know, the, the veteran Jeff uh, in full in the wheelchair, missing legs. And he just, he, you know, he puts his hands up. Like, I don't want to cause any problems. And that's where, um, this episode takes a turn. I wasn't expecting. 
Um, so I do appreciate that this was actually getting into more, uh, or where it goes. So like, take us from there, Terry. So it, he's explaining to her that the fact that he's even able to talk to her right now is some kind of weird blessing because the last time he had heard about her, she died, she died in a car, uh, a motorcycle accident with like some dude she was dating. Uh, a guy that didn't believe in helmets. So yeah. like, so it's just like, so like Jeff, this version of Jeff is traumatized multiple times. And then like we get him interacting with present day Jeff and trying to explain, like, it seems like both sides have this amount of grief that present day Jeff is saying, like you sacrificed yourself I don't know anything about what you've done. Like I could never know the sacrifice that you've made. But then we have that Jeff that he's like, I lost my, my whole life by making this decision. I lost Denise. I had lost the opportunity to have my child. He's like, you don't know the blessing that you have right now. He's like, despite the fact that you feel so overwhelmed by this burden of not going, you made the right decision, but it's like, it's the conflicting conversation that they have. Yeah. But it's also like whenever like Jeff, who brings a fireplace poker up to, you know, to beat a man in a wheelchair. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like when the other Jeff, which uh, when Denise refers to him, spaceman, um, cause she's trying to like, you know, differentiate between the two of them. The, I think that the episode did a decent job of like saying that you've, you've heard Jeff be called spaceman previously, like, you know, as that version. So it was implied that even when he called her Denny, that maybe he had that nickname. Yeah, whatever. So, I mean, it didn't, it didn't stand out to me so bad, but it was a little rough. There's a reason for that. I'll get into that later. But like whenever he, like whenever spaceman's talking to Jeff, he's like, do you think I really wanted to hurt, hurt them and you? Like that's the part I would like you cause this cause it easily turned into like, you took my life. I want it back. But you mentioned, yeah, like they both have their own pain and grief. And so, you know, basically like, um, we find out that the, the non version of him has grief because he did go over to serve his country, but you know, he lost his legs. He lost the woman of, you know, of his, the woman he loved. And, you know, after that, all he's ever had was just, you know, coming back here and being looked at and judged and in pain and loneliness um, and not being taken care of properly because that's another problem with the system as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're shit and, on and that was their own country. And that was, um, even more so with the, the Vietnam vets, right? Because like they, they didn't go willingly the majority of them. Right. And then the country turns around and doesn't give them any type of like proper care. Yeah. But then our, our Jeff's like, well, yeah, but like you served and did whatever. And he's like, but he's like, yeah, he's like, but like, like I basically like they both realize it's like we have guilt because he's like of what I lost in an experience. And then Jeff's like, well, I have guilt because of what I, that I didn't serve and I feel guilty for this. Um, and then it's just, you know, it's, it's seeing, you know, uh, just two halves of one broken person, you know? And I think that's, I think that's pretty well done. Uh, and then Denise is like, well, you know, Hey man, uh, uh, spaceman, like, you know, like, but basically also too, he also admits, he's like, yeah, uh, he's like, I, I, I know I'm dying. The doctors don't tell me, but I know I'm dying. And then also Jeff's like, well, how are you here? 
And he's like, as I was waiting in the VA, waiting for it to all be over, he's like, I just wondered what would have happened if I made a different decision. He's like, I, he's like, I, I think I wandered my way here, which is as twilight zone of a statement as ever. Right. That's fine. Like he, he inadvertently wanted to see what the, what the other life would have been so much so desperately that he actually ended up in that, like that reality to see what happened. And that's what we learn. Um, but then Denise is like, yeah, you can stay here. And he's like, no, nah, I got to go. <laughs> you know, like, okay. Like that, that's, that's the worst setup for a sitcom I've ever heard. I'm kidding. Uh, uh, my, my two Jeffs. Um, but, um, you know, God, you, you went to the joke I was thinking. <laughs> it's like, uh, like and the poor, the, the poor daughter would be like, well, it's like, like I have, I have uh leg daddy and not leg daddy anyway. So, um, I'm the terrible person. Uh, but so then, he's like, I got to go, but at least I have a couple good memories. And that's when Jeff's like, Oh wait, he's like the flashbacks. He's like, I, yeah. He's like, those were yours. He's like, maybe if we actually touch, we can like, you know, actually share what happened. And uh, Spaceman's like, you don't, you don't want this. You don't want all this grief and hurt. And he's like, but basically Jeff's like, but I want you to know like the wedding day, the honeymoon, which that implies something. Um, and then like the birth of uh, the birth of our daughter and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, like, okay, that's actually very sweet. But like spaceman's like, basically he's like, you don't want this. You don't want, I, you don't want what I have. Um, fair enough. I think that's a very emotional truth to this. And I think that well, there's works like a, like a weird, like crow, like transference of memories kind of thing going on here. What's like, if it will put his heart at peace, then maybe, you know, that Jeff can like, he can somehow pass on because if he, if he is like, you know, like this is just a weird consciousness area of like what his existence is and he's still sitting in the VA hospital, possibly going to pass, then it like, it will give him kind of solace on the idea that if this other Jeff made that decision, then I didn't do wrong. Like, you know, like there's like, I, I it's, it's an interesting complex idea of what these two worlds are and like how it's being explained. Um, I, even myself now, as I'm like trying to like discuss it, I feel different emotions about this than I did when I first watched it. Well, yeah, because I mean, we get to, we get to live it in a little bit. So it's like, but also too, it's like if he actually has that whole lifetime to, you know, like then whatever, like it makes it like it, it, totally and emotionally it makes sense. So like they, um, you know, <laughs> Uh, the wife watches on as, as, as her husband touches himself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, so, so yeah, they, 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 uh, they, they hold hands and there's like a bright light and then we and see like them, definitely some eye contact. Yeah. There's some eye contact, right? Yeah. Um, and the, the, you see the transference of memories, like, you know, some of the more savage stuff, like, well, we get flashes of Vietnam, but then the bulk of it is, um, the good things that happen in Jeff's life. But then we get the moment, like, just like, you know, if, if we're already in, we're in, but then, um, spaceman is suddenly his legs come back and he's able to stand up and they get to look at each other. eye like face to face, eye to eye, like on the same level. And then, you know, you know, he, he's like actually kind of laughs for a moment. He says like, what was it? Um, uh, He's like, um, I guess we're both heroes or whatever. He says something to that effect. And then they embrace and um, Spaceman's well, gone, we, right? And it's, well, we you know. also get like him in a tuxedo. <laughs> yeah. And we, we look over at Denise and she's in a, 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 wedding a, dress, a, a bride's yeah. gown. Yeah. And it's like, 
Oh, it's like I, I I know what they're I know what they're trying to do, but it's like it's just not it's not achieved the best way. I think they should have had a couple more cuts where they just like had like a wedding scene or something like that. Not that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. No, it's just it's a. I mean, it it, it works enough, right? Like, I mean, it's yeah. it, it is what it is. Like, and also like some of these uh, these effects that they use at this time. Like they've not aged well, but what, but we've, but we've, we've beat that horse to death and then some, we get it. Right. So, um, but yeah, so then like Jeff is now by himself, but made whole in a lot of ways and that, uh, and then they, he and Denise embrace and that's the end of the episode. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll say this, like, I, you know, considering that we got Nightcrawlers, which was about like a different type of, it was still about Vietnam trauma and that thing is a sledgehammer. Um, and we got something, like, and and, and uh, uh, was it Wes and Phil DeGuerre mentioned this on the commentary track, that um, considering that Wes's first segment he directed was Shatterday, where it dealt with um, one character splitting in two and dealing with like their, their both their sides, right? Um, this was like, I wasn't necessarily expecting to be more of a reconciliation versus adversarial. So I wasn't expecting that whatsoever with this. And this turned out to actually be a more upbeat, not upbeat, but like, um, a heartfelt episode. Yeah, it, it, it did feel uh, a little bit more heartfelt. And uh, and the fact that there is like, um, there is more of an idea of like, um, conclusion to the, the, the story, like of the, of look Jeff and like what, like he was feeling and his emotions and that, uh, I just, I, I think that, um, it was handled in a really strange way, but I, you know, the more and more I discuss this with you, I, I feel a little bit more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. But upon my first viewing of it, I just saw, I was like really thrown off about it. Oh, for, well, and there's reasons for that. And I agree with it. Cause the first time I'm like, wait, what, you know, but, um, so yeah, like, so this, this still, it, it work it works uh, uh, like all things considered. I think it works and it does, it does, it does rest better with me the second time through uh, that, that, you know, that isn't always like, like, you know, this was like, you know, a, you'd watch this when it was broadcast, you, you watch it once you don't get the chance for the rerun. So it better work well enough. Right. But since we yeah. have the luxury of rewatching it and we know where it's going, it does, it does play better. And I do feel better about it, but I agree with you. It is a little weird and there's reasons for that. So, um, I do have some trivia here and some stuff from the commentary tracks and from, uh, uh, the deleted scenes. I don't know if you have anything else. Uh, not really. Okay. I, I know because you're about to get into it. So yeah, let's hear it. So first thing I, I mentioned, the commentary track was recorded in 2004. Uh, so it was Phil DeGuerre and Wes Craven. Uh, this was actually the last episode shot for season two, according to Wes Craven. Uh, cause he said that, you know, after starting the series, cause he did direct the first couple segments, right. That he kept trying to come back, but he was directing features at the time, meaning like you know, he was blowing up at 86 with like, you know, after you know nightmare on Elm street and doing other things. Right. So his star was rising, but he wanted to come back, but it then turned out like by the time he got back to do this one, uh, they had already gotten the, the notes that CBS was like, um, not, not necessarily canceling the show, but canceling the iteration. And Daguerre talks about the deal that was struck with a Canadian production company to do the third season, just to hit the syndication number. So they knew that they would not have, they would not be involved in it any, anymore going forward. So this iteration of the twilight zone was wrapping with the shooting of this episode in terms of this part, you know what I mean? Like the American production. Uh, right. So like after that, there was like a rap party. So Craven came in to shoot the last episode. So I thought that was interesting. Um, he also mentions, here's the trivia that, um, 
anything fascinates you is that during the commentary, he mentions that the bit of whenever the girl's under the bed sheet, he, and he talked about growing up as a kid and having a lot of nightmares and hiding under the covers. He's like, he's like that, like that image always stuck with me. He's like, he's like, and that's why I used it again in a new nightmare. So he did it here. He liked the idea of it so much. He actually ended up putting it in a new nightmare, which I love that movie a great deal. I thought that was cool. Which, which he actually does talk about um, in the original um, iterations of like what he wanted to do for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Because um, one of the things that kind of builds towards the character of uh, Freddy Krueger is the one night that he was looking out his window, he had seen some older gentleman, like some creepy old dude, that maybe there were some talks around town like, oh, my God, there's this creepy old guy. He looked outside and he saw him in the, the immediate moment that he looked out. This this guy looked back at him like the exact moment and he hid under the blanket. So then when he like felt like the coast was clear and he looked back out, the guy was still watching mm-hmm. at the window so it's just like this whole idea of like the boogeyman is real. Like this, he was there. And even though like the safety of his blankets were there, it didn't matter. So I, yeah, I could see that still being like a constant and like his writing and that. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I think that's interesting. And then I, yeah, I had here was it after nine of the tw- uh, nine or 12 episodes were completed. That's when CBS made the decision to change from one hour to 30 minutes. That's what caused this one to get goofed because it was originally shot for an hour long episode by itself. Or like, you know, like, you know, one of those 40 minute ones with maybe like, you know, a 15 minute segment put in there. They didn't say exactly what. Um, but so with that being said, uh, Phil DeGuerre isn't even sure if the longer version was ever aired. So uh, we'll get into the uh, deleted scenes here in a second. But uh, so Wes admits that he actually attempted to enlist during Vietnam, but he was uh, determined 4F due to a medical issue when he was in college. He remembers at the time, though, that the doctors said, you don't want to go there. So he even remembers that he thought that he was, I was like, well, I'm going to go. I'm, it's my duty to go do this. And he medically couldn't go. And even then the doctor's like, you you don't want to go. So I think that's interesting. You mentioned his story. Phil DeGuerre mentioned his story, too, also being it was an ROTC in the early 60s and hearing some like rumblings of what was going on. And then eventually he was determined physically unable to go either. Um, not that, not that they were saying that with pride. They're just saying that they were ruled medically out to go. But so they, they have something to talk about how they can relate to the time. And also you mentioned like, you know, that it, like, you know, well, it's what you do, but they didn't go. And Wes also had a lot of friends that did go. And you could tell that a lot of that colored a lot of his output. Right. So I think, I think that was interesting that they talked about that for a minute. Uh, deleted scenes, uh, on the DVD, there were eight deleted scenes. One, uh, Jeff is at college. We actually see him giving a discussion about, uh, like, uh, war and wartime things. And that's where the jock, like, basically is talking about, like, you know, if we like basically saying, if we had the same, if we did the same things we did in world war two, we would have won Vietnam. And there was some pushback. It was weird. And that's whenever the guy asked him, was like, Hey, where were you during the war? And that's when Jeff's like, I was in college and it was like, I could see how, why that was excised. Cause it doesn't really, if you were given more runtime, fine. But I think it works in the episode as we know it. Cause we already get the context of what happened to upset him while he's drinking kitchen wine. Um, and then, uh, after that, that scene, we end up having Denise pick up Megan from school, right? Cause we know that they show up in that scene later, but as they're driving away from the school, um, Megan looks out the window and she sees spaceman in the wheelchair, just staring at, at them. 
And that's creepy. Um, I wish there was a way to fit that into the actual episode because it's very off putting. Cause you're like, I don't know what's going on with this, but all right. Uh, part like, uh, scene two, Jeff is upstairs after Denise, we talked about that and seeing the man in a wheelchair. It's just a longer sequence of him searching and finding the wheelchair tracks. Nothing much there. Three, uh, Denise finds Jeff after his, like the flashback where he's screaming, um, like in the carpet, uh, there's a longer sequence there where he he tells her what he saw. We don't need it. I understand why it was excised. Right. Um, the fourth one, Jeff decides he needs to go away. We talked about that. Longer discussion about why he needs to leave. I think that works in terms of what we like. We don't need more than that. Five is um, Spaceman meets Denise in her bedroom. Like after she comes home, he explains how he got the name um, because because of the movies I like, meaning that his, his the people he was a nom with called him Spaceman. And he was telling her because she couldn't square the circle of rec- like, cause like she's married to Jeff and she's seeing a Jeff. So he like offered up, like people call me spaceman because of my love of sci-fi movies. Um, and that fits. Like, that that would have given more context at least. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like that would have threaded the needle a little bit. Uh, so then we cut to Jeff driving home, but then spaceman also asserts his Jeffness. That's what I put in my notes to Denise, meaning like he starts giving very specific facts about what he knows about her like from when they were in high school and he says some pretty intimate things about like how he, like the first time they, they got it on was on her parents' couch. And he was also mentioning a certain birthmark on her thigh. I, oh. you know, thanks George Martin, RR Martin. Thanks. Anyway. Um, well, yeah. at least it's not brother, sister stuff. Ugh, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the longer cut gets into that. I'm kidding. Uh, cool. so, uh, and then at that, like then that's when Jeff comes in with the poker and he actually acknowledges the flashbacks earlier in the conversation and, and spaceman was like, yeah, he's like, I was trying to keep all that. And basically he was like, I, you know, I was trying to keep that away from you. He's like, but somehow all this kind of leaks out, which I thought was an interesting concept. Meaning like I was trying to keep you away from that trauma, but it just kind of, it just kind of leaks out of me, which I think that says something too. Right. Uh, and then, um, uh, delete scene six, there's more details about what happened to spaceman. Um, after Denise died in the motorcycle accident, Check this out. I think this would have also provided a little bit more to the episode. He was distracted and like overseas after hearing about her motorcycle accident that while he was out on patrol, he got distracted and stepped on a landmine. Oh, and he heard it click and he warned all the troops around him to get away before he actually stepped off of it, which is what blew his legs off. And, and then Jeff's like, but you saved all those men's lives. So, and he's like, yeah, and I got a medal for it, but like, so what? So like Spaceman actually was, you know, not that I'm saying like he was looking out for everybody. He did something, you know, all things considered, he did put the lives of others in front of his. Right. And I think that would color that a little bit more. Um, so, and then, and then, um, you know, and then the, was the deleted scene seven. He's like, tell me why you're here. And he's like, I'm dying. He goes a little further there or whatever. And then number eight is spaceman picks up Megan's photo, which we see. And he says, if you could hold this little girl in your arms and think you did anything wrong, then you were the stupidest man that walked the earth. And I just wish that would have stayed in there too. There's like one or bit, two pieces in here. I wish it would have stayed in the episode. Yeah, I, I think that there are definitely um, certain sequences that wouldn't have really uh, done well. Um, I, I just, you know, like there, there is definitely a balance between what was cut and what probably should have stayed in. But ultimately, what we got here was 
it would i mean it works it, it, it definitely works um it's just we could have padded up certain parts of it with some of yeah. that probably excise material. I just think that if if the production company and uh, George R. R. Martin actually knew in advance that this the story was going to be chopped 25 minutes versus 45, mm-hmm. Martin would have done a pass where he would have kept everything like of and port in as opposed to them having to uh you know cut it apart after, right? And try yeah. to make it fit. Yeah, keep it a little tighter as far as like how it was written as opposed to mm-hmm. like what was filmed. So yeah. There we go. Like this was, um, we talked about like the shift to f- an hour format to a half hour format. This is probably one of the bigger victims of that. Uh, but we knew this was coming. Uh, I just didn't, I just didn't know how much, and even to Gary admits, he's like, we, he's like, I can't even, he's like to the effect of, I don't know how much, like I can't speak down to how much it affected everything else, but you know, I, so there was, there's been no other indications of this season. What else has been like directly affected, but we'll see, right? We still have a few more episodes to go. Maybe there's more fallout from this uh, because even though this was the last one shot, supposedly when the word came down that they're shifting to a half hour format, the bulk of the episodes were already shot. So we'll see what, if there was any other compromises being made. I don't know. It's interesting to, to know a little bit more context because literally there's not much information out there about this series to my knowledge. Yeah. And, and now we're losing some of these creators as well, especially, you know, yeah. since like our director is gone now. So Wes Craven RIP, but and, uh, and yeah, I'm I sure mean, Phil DeGuerre has gone too at this point, but yeah, like you're right. Like it's yeah. just, yeah. So, so yeah, there we go. That, that is um, like the information about the road less traveled. Uh, um, anything else before we get to that twist? Nah, dude, let's go. All right. Uh, twist rating is always is one through five, meaning one we saw from a mile away and five meaning mind blowing. I'm going to give it a four because I didn't expect it to actually be more about like resolution of trauma as to outright, like this could have easily went like the other way and been about like, you owe me your life. And it could have been very tropey and very familiar. I'm going to have to agree with you on that. I, I'm going to have to go with the four as well. Um, I, I'm not saying that that is a, a, a complete depiction of like what like I enjoyed about this or didn't enjoy or whatever. Like I, I do feel like it was a little bit more off the the grid for what I thought it was going to be. But yeah, like I, yeah, I'm going to have to go with four. Yeah. It was the road less traveled. Right. So we knew this all along anyway. So, so yeah, that's going to do our, our discussion about the road less traveled. You guys can find us on, um, uh, Facebook at strange highways. You can uh, email us directly at uh, strange highways, podcast, gmail.com, wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. It'd be greatly appreciated. The more, the merrier. Um, yeah. So interior, where can people find us otherwise? Uh, we're still on Instagram folks. Uh, please come over there, check us out. Um, you know, like share, do all the things that Instagrammers do because, you know, we don't know how to do some of that stuff either. <laughs> so it's like, we would love a little bit of help because, uh, you know, it, it is something that we, we take great pride in to do this podcast and we just want more listeners and more exposure. Uh, it's just, you know, it is a labor of love for us and yeah, well, know, but, but, we, we but, have a great time doing it. We do. But if one of us is a dumbass and forgets to publish the episode on a Friday and then, uh, it goes through Saturday evening and then you, do you know that meme? It's an image of the cat, like the cat sitting at the table with the newspaper and it looks like he's dropped the newspaper with his glasses on being like, Oh, I should probably get to that. That's what ha- Saturday night. I was like, Oh shit. I forgot to publish the episode. So 
so yeah, sorry everybody. It came out two days late because I'm an idiot. <laughs> but but we do love it. It's a labor of love. It's just that whatever reason I'm like, ha, we're done with this one, and nobody got to hear it because I forgot to upload it until two days after we normally publish. So yeah, it, it, it's one of those things that we take great pride in. Uh, even though sometimes it, it is a little daunting here, here and there to remember how to do certain things, Paul. Yeah, um, right. But, I, I, it was already like all I had to do was like press one button and then write a little note about like something snarky about the episode title or whatever. And it's like, and I forgot. <laughs> Just, I was more excited to be like, I get to sit at home and play video games like a grown up. That's what I was hoping for. So anyway, yeah, I, I will. Re- I will reiterate what Paul has said though. Many times in the past. If you could rate and review, like, please do that for us. Uh, that might help us out a little bit more. Um, I, uh, you know, it's the end of the year now here in 2023, but there are a lot of algorithms built into the whole rate and review and like what was popular, what was your favorite, that kind of stuff helps us. It's, it, it's become a big thing in those streaming, um, you know, like podcast versions of, you know, Spotify, Podbean, it all helps. If you could do that for us, we would, uh, we're going to send uh, likes towards you too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and we say rate and review, it's hard. I know it's not always the easiest on whatever uh, app of choice that you're using, but I know Spotify, they're able to do it, but even just sharing it. If you're just like, Hey, this is like something like I know, um, availability in terms of people's work, like they're just, they're weak, right? Like we all have our handful of podcasts we cycle through and if we're part when, of that, winter is coming, yeah, uh, right. Or George R. R. Martin would right. say, but yeah, just, you know, if you enjoy it and you enjoy the conversation, let other people know, because like, I don't know about everybody. It's like, I, I have no problem spouting off about all the podcasts I listen to. It's just like, yeah, it's like, oh, like people like, let me show you photos of my kids. I'm like, well, no, let me show you my cats and let me talk to you about the podcast I'm listening to. So, um, anyway, uh, let's get into what we're talking about next. And now Mr. Serling. So it was brought to our attention and this is something that I should have known about. And I'm sure I probably saw it in passing and didn't put two and two together. Next episode is going to be the episode we're going to release before Christmas. Um, it, there was a made for TV movie written by Rod Serling that was released in 1964 called, uh, Carol for another Christmas or Carol of another Christmas. Um, and it's him writing his, his version of like, you know, a Christmas Carol. And the cast is pretty stacked for what it is. I just, you would think that we would have covered this by now in terms of like a holiday episode. I didn't know this existed until like five days ago. So thank you to the Algoro of um, the talk without rhythm podcast. He's like, Hey, have you heard of this? I'm like, Nope, but we're, we're going to watch it. We're going to cover it. So yeah, we're going to get into uh, another surly written Christmas thing. And I only thought there was one previously, which was Night of the Meek. So this is going to be exciting. More Serling. Yeah, I'm 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 stoked for this. Um, it is something that obviously is connected to the original material, and Rod is going to be there, so we can discuss Rod Serling. Oh, let's go! Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited. So yeah, that, and that's it's Christmas stuff. Yeah, there you go. Perfect, <laughs> right? So that's going to do it. Uh, for us this week. And then we're getting into that next week. So in the meantime, everybody uh, have a good week. Uh, have a safe week. Um, I, I don't know. Um, go, go find Terry and my pet monster. He will be greatly appreciative of it. Yeah. I, just make sure you watch out for that guy going down your steps <laughs> in the wheelchair. But you know what? Make, <laughs> make it, make it accessible. You know, I think that's important, right? Like everybody. <laughs> all right. Anyway, we're done.
What? Nah. It's absurd. It's like daughter, like father. Uh, oh, and the man, it was a chair full of clothes. Well, she has your imagination. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering where it went. <laughs>